0: We're going to look at the light of the world this morning. The light of the world. Uh, can, I, some of you come from uh, maybe some backgrounds where you didn't have electricity. Is there anyone like that here who so said, I did not grow up with electricity? Can you put your hand up? Anyone like Everybody has grown up with electricity. All right. All right. So this is an old story then that I'm going to tell you. Uh, there was a young fellow who was amazed in Scotland. He grew up in the age... Of no electricity, so in that time in Edinburgh, the the light lamplighter would go out and light the lamps on the streets every evening. He go and light those lamps, and uh, every, he was fascinated with this guy's job. He he would sit in the window and watch him. And one night, uh, he was kind of talking to himself, and his mom and dad overheard him, and he goes, "Look, look, there's a man out there punching holes in the darkness." You know, the light came and there was no more darkness. And, uh, I mean, that's a very childless statement. I mean, he didn't punch any holes in darkness. He just put light on and darkness went away. Uh, but this young fellow, in his childish statement, does bring a truth to mind about why Jesus Christ came to earth. Jesus Christ came to earth uh, not to be a good teacher or a really uh, good role model or a religious leader, and and though he did do some marvelous things, uh, wonderful things, uh, miraculous works, his primary purpose to coming to earth was to take care of the darkness, wasn't it? He came to bring light. He came to be the light of the world. That's what it says in verse number 5 of this portion of Scripture. I am the light of the world. And in this passage, we're going to see a man healed, And we're going to see a man come to salvation. He accepts Christ as Savior. And we see the Lord just being that wonderful light to all men, no matter their situation, their place in life, their station. And if this morning you are in darkness, if this morning you have not accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, there is wonderful hope for you because His salvation is available to all, Before we go any further, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for another time you've given to us to be in your word. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage our hearts to understand that you are indeed the light of the world and that you care and help us to have that same compassion as individual believers. And Lord, I pray that any who hear or see this message who are lost, who are in the darkness, would turn to you. I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. I, I The agony of being a blind man, I mean, I, 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 it's hard to understand how difficult that is. Uh, according to the scriptures I already read for you, he was blind from birth, verse number one. And I was thinking about that this week, just how horrible a handicap that is. And uh, in any age, it doesn't, I mean, I understand in our age there's more helps, I get that, but in every age it's not a good handicap. No handicaps are. Now I want you to, uh, use your minds. I'm gonna ask you to engage your minds and I'm gonna ask for some involvement in a moment. And, uh, I'm gonna ask for those online to be involved too. I can't get their answers out loud. Uh, but I want you to think in your mind of the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Or beautiful things you've ever seen. Maybe, maybe, I'm gonna give you a couple examples in my own life. Nature and people and things. So, first of all, I'll go first. Um Gross National Park in Newfoundland. I lived about thirty minutes south of that in Deer Lake for seven years. And I would love just to drive there and see the nature, to see the moose, to see bears. Uh the it was fantastic scenery. I mean it was gorgeous. I could walk to a waterfall, a big waterfall and see the water I mean and then I could see other waterfalls from that waterfall. Uh there's times I would just Drive up there just to be amazed by God's creation. So beautiful. I think of uh, the day I stood at the altar and my wife walked down the aisle. She was stunning. Yep, she was. And then I think about my kids, the first time I saw my kids. It's awe and it's... it's a burden, and it's amazing. and It's all, all all wrapped up in one, you know. It's amazing. So, give me a couple answers from the crowd, and those online, write them in so we can see them later. Some of the most beautiful thing you've ever seen are things, nice and loud. Sunrise, sunset, absolutely amazing. Yeah, especially if there's water and mountains involved for me. <laughs> Anybody else? Forgiveness—that's amazing. Yeah. Anybody else? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Good answers. So that those things—could you imagine not seeing them? Could you imagine not ever laying eyes—you can't see them. You might your eyes might be able to move, but you cannot see that. I mean that. I thought about that this week, and I was kind of depressed for a few moments. I was like that would be so horrible, not to be able to recall the memory. You know, even as you're, uh, I have, I know in my own life, sat on my porch and thought about uh, the first time I held my kids, or uh, I was in my office this week thinking about this sermon. I was thinking about the beauty of that, the Gros Morne National Park and things. Hey, not ever, ever seeing that. But, you know, there's a blindness that's worse than that, and that's spiritual blindness. Oh, you, you might be able to see with your eyes, your physical state, but you don't know Jesus Christ. A world entirely apart from Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, "...in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, shall shine unto them." If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... I have news for you. You are spiritually blinded, according to God's word. That's what God's word says. But you don't have to be that way. He doesn't have to stay that way. You can have light. You can have that uh, vision. So in, in the scriptures, it seems to indicate that this man was born blind. He, this was not a condition that happened after he was born. He's also a poor man which kind of makes sense with the whole uh, being blind and handicapped in that time. Jesus was just passing by this man uh, with his disciples, no doubt on the road begging, asking for money to purchase bread as Jesus went by. You know, his birth could have seemed as a terrible misfortune. Some people said he, sh- he shouldn't have even been born. It would have been better if he wasn't. However, Jesus feels otherwise, doesn't he? He sees this man as the potential... To serve him. Jesus tells the disciples, this man's handicap was allowed by God, so God can get the glory from this man's life. And we're going to see some amazing things in this man's life in just a moment. And as a wonderful truth, we all need to realize that God can take any life, regardless of has it been ruined by sin or whatever the case is taking place, Physical handicaps, then he can save by his grace and turn that life into an endless blessing and joy. He has that power, he has that ability, and it's all by his grace. After all, it's man's purpose. We were created for the purpose to glorify God. Isaiah 43:7, even uh, everyone that's called by my name, for I created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. The world will tell us, you're created for yourself. You are first. You put yourself first. The Word of God says, hey, you're created for his glory. For the glory of God. And Jesus specializes in salvaging lives that have been wasted and affected horribly by sin. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if a man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You know, this man could not work. You know, and there was very little to no social program to aid him. He was on the roadside, reduced to begging for the necessities of life. He would have been in a pitiful state. I can only imagine how his hair would have been all messed up and his face was dirty. He could not see. He doesn't know how his physical appearance is. It's not possible for him to clean himself up. He is spiritually uh dead as well but as I say he could not even help himself you know he's hopelessly bankrupt he just have no way to help himself no way to provide and and men today, in the spiritual realm of darkness, they're the same way. They're trying to satisfy the itch. They're trying to uh, take care of things, that emptiness in their heart and life that cannot be resolved by anybody but Jesus Christ. But they're looking to drugs and alcohol and immorality and new age and new religions and so on and so forth to provide for them. The true spiritual peace... Will be found in nothing else and no one else but Jesus Christ. That's where you find the peace. He endured for us. 2 Corinthians 8 9, for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was yet, yet for our sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Jesus Christ did this. He gave us the greatest of spiritual blessings. The greatest. The richest. In verse number 11, we see that he answered the, uh, blind man, <clears throat> and, uh, because he was being asked what was happening, because a man that is called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and received sight. When Jesus passed by this man, his life was forever changed. First of all, he healed his physical handicap. Uh, I've never been involved with the anointing of eyes with clay and spittle. Alright. Never been. That's not part of my job description either, okay? That's not what I do. And I've never, I don't understand how that worked, but I am sure that clay in the eyes would have caused irritation, don't you think? I mean, the smallest of specks causes irritation for me in the eye. And I've seen other people do the same thing, have problems with that irritation. You know, when Jesus works in the heart of men, He's convicting, isn't that an irritation? Absolutely. When God brings His hand of conviction upon our heart and life, there is conviction. And we should not despise that. We should be thankful that the Lord is bringing that conviction. Uh, John 6.44, because this is the way of salvation. No man can come to me except the Father which sent me. Draw him, and I will rise him up at the last day. When that man went to that pool of Siloam and washed his eyes, he was healed of his blindness. And then the people start asking him, they're like, hey, what's going on? Now, he didn't know everything that Jesus did. He just said Jesus made clay. He didn't know why the Lord got the clay. Was it next to him, close by, or how did the Lord spit in it to make it all work? He doesn't mention anything about spit or spittle in that situation. He doesn't know what takes place. He didn't know because he was blind. How did he know? He did not see everything. He didn't see it all until after. And there's a lesson here for us. There are times when God is working in our hearts and lives and he's drawing us to him, he's bringing us to him, and we don't see all the Lord's work to bring us to that position, that place, to accept salvation or not. We don't see it all. We don't understand all that's taking place. And God is bringing it all together. And even after we've accepted Christ as Savior, The Lord works in our hearts and lives behind the scenes, shall we say, and is bringing things to fruition. He's opening doors. He's allowing things to take place, and it's all according to His will. After Jesus exposed the man to physical life, He began to lead him to the series of events that will bring him face to face with who Jesus, or face to face with who Jesus really is. Being able to see physically, which is great, is not enough. It's not enough. It wasn't going to do the trick. He also needed to come to place to understand spiritual truth and understand that he was blinded spiritually. So verse I read for you verses 10 to 12, and the people come and ask him, who healed you? you know, the neighbors knew. You know, they knew who this guy was, and they knew that he was blinded since birth. And how did this happen? Who, who did this to you? And all he could say is, uh, they called Jesus. He didn't know who he was. Jesus could have been standing in that crowd asking him. He didn't know he was blind before, right? He didn't know who it was. Just that he had a name. It was Jesus. There's individuals today who know that Christians serve Jesus or they get excited about Jesus or that they should serve Jesus. But that's as far as it goes. They know his name. They don't really know much about him. And the reality is, just to know a name or speak his name is not enough to save a man or a woman today. Because you need to know and understand who Jesus is. But the guy's on the right path. He knows about Jesus. That's a good step, right? He knows about Jesus, who he is, or he's starting to understand. Verse number 13. And they brought him to the Pharisees, and aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him and how he received his sight. He said unto him, He put clay in my eyes and washed, and I do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They said unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him, that he that opened thine eyes? He said, He's a prophet. He's a prophet. When the Pharisees hear about this... Uh, Miracle, they bring this blind man in, and they're trying to get to the bottom of it. What took place? What happened? Give us the details. Some of them were upset because this event took place on the Sabbath. They worshipped the Sabbath. These guys were out of control. They were super legalists. You couldn't do that on Sabbath. And then there was others who said, how could a man, a sinner, do this thing? You know, And they're right. How could a man? It wasn't just a man. You know, so they, some were upset about the, working on the Sabbath, others like, well, what, he can't be, what is this? We can't understand it. And then they asked the fellow, what do you think? And he says, he's a prophet. And the idea of prophet is the one that is a man to be listened to. I mean, that's part of Jewish tradition, yet we listen to the prophets. And if we didn't, like Jeremiah and other ones, they got into great danger and they've led into captivity and things. This man listened to Jesus once, and obeyed, had healing, and he says, he concludes, Jesus is worth listening to. A good conclusion. I'm telling you, this this blind man's pretty smart. He's a good theologian. Now, he says, yeah, I need to listen to this guy. And, you know, there's many who have got to that place. Their opinions of Jesus is that, oh, he's a wise man, and he's a good teacher, he's, I should listen to him, he's a, a way shower as such. You know, listen, if you're going to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to have to realize that He is the way. He is the way. He's not a way shower. He is the way. The only way. The truth and the life. If you don't accept that, you will not be saved. Because Jesus is just not a wise individual. Though He is extremely wise, He is much more. He is the Savior of this world. He is... The first, next part of it, verse eighteen, but the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind. So a convenient, you know, let's misinformation. Oh, you were never really blind. So fake news happened back in Jesus' day too, okay, folks. Alright? No, you were never really blind and you know, received your sight. They called his parents and of him that received his sight. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son? How do ye say he was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that he is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now seeth we know not, or who have opened his eyes we know not. He is of age; ask him. He shall speak for himself. And through a series of questions, the Pharisees. You know, and some pretty good teaching on the part of this blind man, they arise to the conclusion that he's a man of God, verse number 22. And these words spake his parents because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his, said his parents, he's of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, give God the praise, we know that this man is a sinner. And he answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him, what did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them. Now, I'm going to add a little dramatic effect here, because as I read this scripture, this guy must be getting frustrated. All right? I would be. I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? And when they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples, we know that God spake unto Moses, As for this fellow we know not from whence he is. And the man answered and said unto them, "Where it is a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened my eyes, know we now that God heareth not sinners, if by any mean a worshiper God, and doth his will, him he heareth. Verse number 33. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. So they ask him, who do you think he is? And, uh, and, and is he a man to be followed and things of this nature? And he says, hey, he, this is, this is a man of God. This is what this, this individual is coming to, this blind man. And he's right in a way, but he's not got yet gone far enough. Lost people have to get past that Jesus was a good man but he is the Son of God. Just as a man of God, though he is, just as was a man of God, he was the God-man in John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the same chapter, verse number 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Any person, any ordinary man, you know, any person, ordinary or not, could never have provided salvation to a sinner. It's not possible. We don't have the ability. It took the one who had never sinned to come to this earth and to for, to take the penalty forever of sin and hang on that cross and die for us. You must come to a place where you're willing to accept him. As that, as your God, or you'll never be saved. He's more than a teacher, he's more than a preacher, more than a prophet, more than a miracle worker, some poor guy, he's more than some poor guy who hung himself on a cross. He is God in human flesh, the Son of God. And Christian, we have the duty and the privilege to serve him. We have that duty and privilege. This man is beginning to see, he's understanding some more things. You know, this fellow's this guy's progressing, isn't he? He's from a good guy, a prophet, to a good... You know, he's going to get to see that he is God-man. He's just not a good man, he's God-man. He's getting there. And that's what has to happen in everybody's life today. If you've not accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. I love how he... I have read this story numerous times this week as I prepared for this message, and I'm really liking this guy. He had no bones in telling the religious leaders of the day who were trying to entrap Jesus that Jesus, you should follow him. You should follow him. Verse 34, They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sin, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. They cast him out when this man refused to bow to the pressure, because that's what these men were trying to do, it's sad, but these religious leaders were trying to intimidate this man into believing what they believed. They were pressuring him. He's like, no. No, that's not right he should be. And they're like, get out. Uh, now, to be kicked out of any organization is not a fun thing. I mean, even if they're all wrong, you want to kind of help the organization and you get the the boot out. And... and uh In this day and age, in the Jewish time, tradition, and culture, to be removed from the synagogue was pretty devastating because it was a huge part of the culture. I mean, you went to the synagogue, that's part of your life. Now to be given the boot, his mom and dad wouldn't stand up for him because they were afraid to get booted out of the synagogue. I mean, so he says no, and he gets the boot. You know, this man probably was blackballed by the religion anyway, for his handicap. I mean, he couldn't keep himself ceremonially clean. I mean, that's not possible. He lived on the side of the road. He probably wasn't even at all familiar with the worship. I mean, maybe as a child, his parents brought him to synagogue. I really don't know. But, you know, he's not he's not super connected. So it was no real big thing to him. And that's probably the best thing that ever could happen to him. Religion today... Religion, in the past, religion has a way in indoctrinating men, training them to think a certain way outside. It's just their creed, doesn't matter what Christ says. And that's a horrible path. When you go to a church or whatever it is, uh, the idea that a religion would tell you this is the credence and it's outside of Christ, my friend, that is a horrible, dangerous path because it's setting you on a path to hell. You you have to know Christ as Savior. That's the first step. And this was probably the best thing that could ever happen to him was to get the boot out of the synagogue. Uh, No. Never think for a moment that your religious activity is going to get you to heaven. A right relationship with Christ is what's going to get you to heaven. Accepting Jesus Christ as Savior is going to get you to heaven. Never because you darken the door of a church. Or that you're a member of a certain church. Salvation is always accomplished by faith and is never accomplished by the works of the flesh. Ephesians 2 8. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. The, the idea is that works will never save you. Once you're saved, you will work for Jesus, amen? That should be the outpouring of our love for Christ. We want to serve. We want to work. But works will not obtain salvation. You know, there are a whole lot of religions, that that's what they claim. You work, you get to heaven. No. You need Christ as Savior. That's... Get you to heaven. But then when you have Christ as Savior, you want to work. You want to serve Jesus Christ. Once we're saved, that transformation takes place. That's that that work is an evidence of salvation that we are serving for Jesus. You know, he was excited. This man was excited about what his life. I mean, verse twenty-five, he didn't know everything that happened. He was not a theologian by no means, and he didn't understand everything that had taken place. But he was excited that he had some sight now and he was heading the right direction. And listen, the reality for us is as believers, we should be excited that we have Christ as Savior. We should be excited that we have the opportunity to serve Jesus Christ. Even in this day, when he's like, oh, Pastor, the, the news and broadcast, they don't stop about how bad it is and, you know, this wave and this wave and this economic thing and, uh, and this uprising and things. Hey listen, it doesn't change that our God is still on the throne, amen? And we have a responsibility to serve Him. It's pretty sad yesterday that I saw, and you probably saw it too, that they're burning Bibles in Portland. These, uh, individuals who are looking for, uh, uh you know, race to be included, they're burning Bibles. It has nothing to do with race. It has a different, total different mindset. But you know, through, since the beginning of time, since God's words existed, men have tried to destroy it, but God's still on the throne. God's still on the throne, and we need to serve Him. And we should be excited that we have that opportunity. Serve the Lord, serve our spouse, serve our family, serve the brethren, serve our neighbors, reach the lost, the list goes on and on. Jesus is the light of the world. You know, uh, verse number 5 of this portion of Scripture tells us that uh, He said, uh, I am the light of the world. When He walked down that road that day and reached out to that poor blind man, His life was changed. That blind man's life was changed. Jesus is in the business of changing lives. That was the case in this day. And in August 2020, he's still in that business. Verse number 35. Jesus heard they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. The man got saved right there. He believed in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the seeking light. He's the shining light. He is the seeking light. After this man had been cast out by the Jews in the synagogues, Jesus sought him out a little bit. He wanted to talk to him. He wanted to talk to him. And Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus finds him and tells him, Dost thou believe? And the man is searching. Yes, I am. He says, I am he. And he accepts. He accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. You know, your religion is never going to save you. Your church is never going to save you. You need to make the same decision that this man made here in John chapter 9 and believe in Jesus Christ. It's not super hard. It's to believe in Christ. Believe in Christ. You know, Anyone who comes to him, a blind man, he, this man would have never been socially accepted in his world. He was an outcast. Even the outcasts are accepted by grace into God's family. You can be accepted into God's family if you would just come to Jesus Christ. doesn't matter your background if you come to him by faith. You know, I thought about <laughs> this man a lot. I mean, I've read this story Many times. I think this is the first time I've ever preached on this man. Uh, but as I thought about him this week, as I'm preparing this message, when he woke up that day in verse number 1, he didn't think anything was going to happen different than the day before. Uh, as we've gone through this pandemic time, I know things are getting better in the sense that we can go do more things and stuff. But in the height of all this stuff, you know, like March, April, May, uh do you ever feel like you're on a bit of a um, treadmill? I'm going to get up and do the same thing. I'm going to get up and do the same thing. I'm going to get up and do the same thing. I'm going to get up and do the same thing. And sometimes like, I just want to sleep all day just to change up the schedule. You know, just, it was just how it felt. This guy didn't think anything was going to happen different that day. He was going to get up and do the same thing, beg, beg for bread and hope that someone generous enough to come by would give him enough money or give him enough bread. He woke up that morning not thinking anything different would happen to him in the ditch. I'm sure he was planning to live his life like he did every other day, in darkness. He didn't realize that that was the day he was going to meet a man named Jesus that would forever drive away darkness in his life. And let me encourage you, this morning you've been introduced to Jesus. Maybe this morning or whenever you watch this online, you you woke up that day never even thinking about Jesus. Well, i got great news for you. Jesus can save you. He has the power. He has the ability. Uh, maybe you're trying all kinds of things to find some peace and contentment. You're lost in the depths of sin. I'm going to tell you right now, if you will turn to Jesus Christ and place your faith and trust in Him, He will save you. And He will accept you in the family. And you're part of the family of God Forever. That's a wonderful blessing, amen? To know that we're part of the family of God forever. The question is, will you accept Jesus Christ? Will you make that choice? You know, in verse number, uh, chapter number 9 and, and verse number 38, and all well, the verses that the man's talking to Jesus, Jesus never says, now you accept me because I, I healed you. No, never said that. He says, I am he. And it was up to the man to make the decision. It's always your decision. God has given you a free will. You make the choice. And I will urge you to make the choice for Christ. And for us as believers, we've made the choice. Hey, let's be excited about serving Jesus Christ. Let's get that enthusiasm charged up again. And It's not an emotional charge, but let's get connected with our Savior again if we have let that connection get a bit weak. Hey, maybe some of us who are familiar with cars and, and the battery was not connected right. It's a weak connection. Sometimes the car would start and sometimes it wouldn't. We tighten it up, right? We tighten up that connection point. And boom, 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 off we go. Hey, let's make sure that we are connected with the Savior as we should be. Christian, let's make sure we're in the right place. Hey, let's not get content with just being blase about our Christianity. Let's be excited that we can serve Jesus. And if you are still in the darkness of sin, I would urge you to come to Jesus. He will not turn you away.